Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey everyone, it's Courtney. It's so good to have you with us and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. On this week's episode, Bethany Ferguson is our guest and she's joined by Joshua to discuss her new book and what it means to have a mission-centered life. There are so many things that we think of when we hear the word missionary, but what we can sometimes do is picture just one type of person. We think of someone who goes to a remote location for an extended period of time or we're thinking of someone who's going on a short-term trip to build homes or something along those lines. Or you could even be thinking of small campaigns that happen in your area. None of those ideas are wrong. The thing is that they're all right. A missionary is not just one person. And in fact, that's what Bethany and Joshua are talking about in this episode. Each one of us has been called by Jesus to go and make disciples, which is exactly what living on mission looks like. With this conversation, our hope is that you'll understand more of what that call looks like on your life, whether that's moving to Africa and living there for 15 years like Bethany, or staying home and learning, living, and actioning out what a mission-centered life looks like in your own community. As you'll hear, if the thought of missions is on your mind, seek it out, pray it over, and either way, God will guide you in His incredible plan for your life. So I hope that you find encouragement in this episode as you listen to Joshua and Bethany Ferguson. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Joshua. I'm your host today, and I'm joined by Bethany Ferguson, who for the past 15 years, most of it has been spent out on the mission field in Africa, serving in Uganda, South Sudan, and Kenya. And she's currently in Pasadena, California, studying to get her PhD in clinical psychology. She's also written a book called The Mission-Centered Life. So Bethany, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be with you and your listeners. Okay, so, so Bethany, I wonder if you could just tell us just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, and, and particularly, what is it that, that had you know that God was calling you to the mission field of, of Africa and what you did there? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, even hearing you today say that I had spent almost 15 years living in East Africa, it still surprises me sometimes. Hmm. Like, wow, is that true? How did that happen? So for everybody has a different experience, I think, in life calling and direction. Some people feel like they have clear direction from maybe even when they're in primary elementary school, but for me it has been a slow journey where I feel like God has shown me the next step, and I walk by faith into that step, and then he opens a door to a next step. So um, I, in my undergraduate degree, studied primary education, and I taught elementary school in the States, Um, and while I was doing that, I found out about a need for teachers in western Uganda, really near the border of Congo, and I was really young, probably 22, 23, something like that, and I kind of looked around my life and saw a lot of people that had reasons to stay where they were, uh, mortgages, caring for family members. They had young kids, and I didn't have any of those reasons to stay. And so I took a step of um, 
sending an email and saying, hey, I'm reading about this job, and it seems to match my gifts and interests as a teacher, and I have the opportunity to go. And that first step led me to move to Uganda. I actually didn't even know where Uganda was on a map <laughs> when I decided to move there. Um, and that was my step of transformation. My experience in Uganda um, opened my eyes to the beauty and diversity of the world, but also um, systems and structures that are often uh, broken and people who are experiencing suffering because of poverty or loss. And that was kind of my first step in uh, moving into what's now been almost 15 years of working internationally. Wow. Wow. So I wonder if you could help us with our, with our terms here. We're, we're talking about the mission field um, you, you've kind of been a missionary as you've worked out there in Africa. What, what does it mean to be a missionary? What did it mean for you to be a missionary out there? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think also probably terminology and thinking about my book as well, because I think that as Christians, all of us are a part of God's mission in the world, right? He calls us as people to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's transformative. When we experience God's love for us and live in that love, then we are empowered to love the world around us. So I think I probably have a different perspective on missions. You know, as a kid, I had sort of heard about like people that go to remote places and, you know, I don't know what I thought they were doing, but <laughs> scary things is what I thought they were doing. Um, but my understanding is that God uses the gifts and talents and opportunities he's provided us with as resources that we can use to love the world. Um, so my work um, was in teaching. So I taught elementary school to some missionary kids who lived in Western Uganda. I also taught English um, and public health at a local primary school called Bonimalinga Primary School. And I led uh, small discipleship groups at a secondary boarding school for Ugandan high school students. Um, and so I was using my training as a teacher and also my experience as a youth leader um, to then work as a part of a small missionary team that we're working in lots of areas, water, community development, church planting. Um, so things like that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I appreciate it. In your introduction of your book, you made this comment about a friend uh, who jokingly said to you, I, I was nervous to become a Christian and to ask, ask for God's calling on my life because I just knew God would call me to leave everything and move to the middle of Africa. Um, and, and you say that to make the comment that to be a missionary isn't always necessarily to move to Africa because I agree that that was that's what I grew up with. I remember going to church and there was Mission Sunday that every now and then we'd show up with our, with our uh, coinage and we'd drop it in the bucket to uh, support the missionary who was way over on the other side of the world. That's what it meant to be a missionary. But but you kind of, at the start of your book, and, and even as you just explained here, that uh, understand that to be a missionary doesn't mean you've you've crossed the ocean. Uh, it simply means that that God has called you to to share the good news, uh, which is all of us to be a, on the commission of Jesus. So so why do you focus on the mission centered? Because we we hear a lot about you know gospel centered living, Christ centered living, and it's not that you're you're not saying those things. So why the focus on on a mission centered life? Um, I think obviously I also think we're gospel centered and all those things as a component of it. Um, I think. For me, this, um, and particularly in like my young adulthood, but even now coming back, and I think um, there can be a way that we compartmentalize our lives sometimes, where we sort of think, here's my like faith component that's limited to Sundays, or my Bible study group, and then here's the work I'm doing, and here's my 
romantic relationship and here are my friends and they kind of don't always intersect. And my experience is that we're holistic people and that communal living and living out our faith is a holistic way of interacting with the world. So I think for me putting the mission-centered component was to say, hey, what's the focus of the work we're about in the world? Um, So not so much just about personal growth, but how we grow in community and as a part of God's kingdom in the world. What is it that you you present here in in the mission-centered life that you think that you haven't seen in any other book? Uh, What makes it so unique? I think for me... The the dynamic aspect of our deepening relationship with Christ being a part of missional living. I think before I moved overseas, I, I had a feeling that I should be really settled in my relationship with God and certain and sort of like the expert, if that makes sense. And then I moved overseas and realized there was so much I didn't know and didn't understand, and I had questions about faith. I had questions about missions. I had questions about community development. And I think there's a part of me that wondered, does anyone else feel like that? Is everyone else just very confident and they know? And so I think um, to allow room for that growth and say this is actually like a positive component of living missionally is that when you have questions, you're open for God to teach you new things and to move in and show you new things about who he is and for other people to pour into your life. So um, I'm sure that's in other books as well, but that's, you know, kind of what I was missing, I think. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's such a great reminder. I think I I have so many conversations with young people uh, about being on on the commission of Jesus. It's what it is to be a Christian. Uh, if you're not on the commission, then then you're not obeying Christ. It's what he's called us to. Uh, but so many people that I talk to say, well, but I just, I, I don't know what to say, right? Or I don't know if I know enough to be able to have those conversations. Um, and so I, I think what you're saying is is so good that this, this is not uh, uncommon. This is very real. This is very normal for people to feel so unprepared. So your book, what parts does your book really focus on? Is it that we need to learn this doctrinal content in order to go Uh, and feel equipped, or or what parts of the scriptures of the truth of God uh, do you find that are so important for us to know as we go into this this mission-centered life? Yeah, I mean, my book is not necessarily a straight doctrinal or theological book. I think there are tons of resources on that that you can access. Um, So, but it does build on scriptures. I, I especially talk through a lot of the book of John in this book, and also looking at the life of Jesus and how he moved and lived in the world. He was incarnational and missional in his intention, and so as we see him um, interacting uh, with people, as he communes with his Father, as he walks towards the cross, all of those things, one, help us see um, the greatness of his love for us, but also help us consider how to live and move in the world. Um, So that's, um, as you move through, you see a lot of reflections on the life of Jesus, Um, and then also scriptures that encourage us and help us understand. So, you know, Genesis and the foundation of creation, um, the fall, Psalms, which offer a lot of um, help and reassurance when we're uncertain or questioning what God's doing in the world. So those are some of the scriptures we look at. Yeah, so, so you use the word incarnational. That's a big word. It's a wonderful word. What do you mean by that? So um, when we think about Jesus, we use the word incarnation, right? That he took on human form to come be with us, to be like us, to learn what it feels like to be in human skin. And um, for us to draw near to God instead of us having to somehow meet an unmeetable requirement, Jesus came to be with us and to be like us. So when I think about the word incarnational, I think about uh, humility and willingness to move towards others who are different than us in a desire to love and care for them. Mm. 
So uh, your book isn't just a book. It's not your classic pick up your book and read it through. <laughs> right. It's actually a study guide. Uh, so, so why did you decide to go with that format that you have a leader uh, guiding a discussion? Uh, why did you think that that was the more valuable way uh, to reach into this subject matter than simply having an individual open a book and then close it at the, at the end? Well, like I told you, I am a teacher by training <laughs> and also studied as a counselor. And I think um, both of those uh, jobs have shown me that we really internally take things in when we discuss them, when we think about them, when we have questions that push us to think about actual application of things that we've read. Um, and I did set it up with a series of essays so someone could potentially just read the essays without participating in the study guide component, if that was more of a fit for them in this season. Um, but I think for me, I really value community and learning together. And I don't think any of us can um, understand fully our missional call without the input of other believers and leaders and peers. And so I wanted to, even in the structure of my book, emphasize the importance of community, that you can't read a book on mission and then be like, and so I'm packing up my bags and moving tomorrow, that you really want to have other people reflecting back, oh, I hear you saying this, or I wonder about that, or even helping you see ways you're already living missionally. So that's kind of how I decided to have it be a study guide. Yeah, you know, I, I immediately was, was struck at, at what a wonderful idea it was to go through this particular subject matter that, that you wrestled with, which at the start was really just about understanding what is it that God has done in my life? What is his work, transformational work in me? And I thought, man, those are the kind of conversations that we ought to have with one another yeah. because the church is such a gift uh, of accountability uh, that when there's a that when there's a moment of low in my life that somebody can come alongside, hey, remember what we were talking about? You, you're a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. Yes. Uh, like that that accountability, that encouragement that comes with the church, right? Uh, I just thought that's such a great idea uh, to take on that subject matter with with the church right next to you. Yeah, and I think too. Sometimes when we start looking at the needs of the world, if we do that on our own, it can feel really overwhelming, right? You can get so discouraged and think, what's happening? But I think as we start doing that as a church body and church community and see the ways that God is actually working through his church throughout the world, um, then we have some balance, right? Oh, I can step forward in a small act of faith of loving my neighbor, whether it's my neighbor across the street or across the globe, trusting that God's spirit is working throughout the world through his church. Um, it just gives us a balanced perspective on that, I think. So in the introduction of, of your book, you, you kind of laid out what this book was going to be about. And, and so you said this, this book is about rhythms of missional living. It's about how God meets us, moves forward, moves us forward, gives us reasons to celebrate and draws us deeper into himself. It's about finding possibilities within the impossible and being transformed as we discover grace in the broken places. Uh, I thought that was a great sentence, but that, that very first part, that this book is about the rhythms of missional living. What do, you, what do you mean by the rhythms of missional living? Yeah, I think kind of as I was alluding to earlier, this pattern of we step out in faith to love the world. And as we do that, we're confronted with our own brokenness and need, right? We see sin in new ways. We see ways that we maybe have been blind to the beauty of other cultures or other communities or places where um, we just haven't known things. And that drives us back to Jesus, right? When I see my own sin, I um, see the love of Christ for me and that he has already spread his arms wide to cover that and move towards me. And so there can be this cycle when I experience God's love in new ways that makes me 
ready to step into new places of challenge and risk for the gospel. And so I think those rhythms, at least in my life, have been that ongoing cycle of grace experienced through repentance, which leads me to stepping out in faith to love my neighbor, which leads me to see new ways that I need Jesus, which brings me back in repentance, which then empowers me to love my neighbors even mm-hmm. in new ways. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. In another point, I think earlier in your introduction, you were talking about the the paradoxical nature where we're, we're moving out of ourselves because we're looking at the world, but, but in so doing, uh, God works inside of us in a really unique way. Uh, and I thought that was such a great picture that, that the grace of God motivates us not just to, to revel in it, uh, but actually calls us to go out. And by going out, uh, we almost experience it for ourselves in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. So when we're talking about the mission-centered life, uh, and, and really, I don't know if maybe you could sum up uh, the sense of your book. Uh, what really is the most important thing for us to realize about ourselves and about Christ as we go out into this life? What, what's, what's, what's the bedrock that we have to, to lay down? Oh, that seems like a heavy question. <laughs> I, I think, you know, for so many of us, it's really hard to believe that God loves us and delights in us and that he um, equips us. And I, for me, the bedrock of missional living is experiencing the transformative love of Christ. Because I think as we are renewed in that, a natural overflowing is missional living. And it looks so different for each of us, right? But um the way we express the mission of uh, loving and transforming the world is going to look different. But I think, uh, yeah, what my book tries to convey is that missional living isn't ever about a sense of guilt. It isn't ever about a sense of performance, but it's driven by um, the love of God that transforms us in a way that empowers us to love the world and to work for change in a world that really needs to see the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, I wonder if we could talk just a little bit more practically, but for, for our listeners here, young adults who are in North America, they, they wake up on a Monday morning uh, <laughs> and they're going out in this missional life. Um, what does that mean for, the, for your modern North American uh, young adult who's, who's waking up to go to work? Uh, I, now I wake up with this sense, I want to live a mission-centered life. What, what just changed on my Monday morning? I mean, I think... It will, as I said, look different for every person. Um, my book does give, especially as you get towards the end, some like kind of specific ideas of things that you could consider trying, right? Like think about in your community, in your neighborhood, um, where are there people who are different from you? And that may be a different nationality. That may be someone who is in a different socioeconomic status, someone who um, has different abilities, but looking for difference because you will find it all around you. Um, and so I think that's one way of praying as you move into your Monday morning to ask God's Spirit to open your eyes to the person who maybe is different. And particularly, you know, Jesus talks a lot about the poor, the widow, the outsider, the person who is different and perhaps is on the periphery for some reason. And look for opportunities to move towards that person, right? To see that we're more alike than different and that that person is also um, made in the image of God and therefore is more like you than they are different. So I think that's been a really powerful place for me to start. I also start by trying to expose myself to diversity in other ways, right? Trying to read books by people from different backgrounds, trying to watch films, uh, listen to music, go to restaurants that um, are different than what I would be connected to. Uh, And as you do that, I think through your church community, finding opportunities to connect with missionaries, with um, aid workers, with people who are working in contexts um, 
that are different than yours, that that could be a really good place to start. Mm -hmm. I love that first point. We live in such a uh, a technological culture that I I see so many people, you know, I mean, this is the, the danger of walking the streets and driving your car is you see people with their heads down on their cell phones. Uh, and often uh, I, I see so many Christians, I have so many conversations with people where they say, well, I just, I don't ever meet people that I can really have that kind of conversation with. And you think, well, I think you just kind of need to lift up your eyes a little bit and, and look around. So I think that, that first point is great to be able to call us to say, okay, we our, our natural tendency is to live our own life and be very self-centered and very self-thinking. Uh, but we need to lift our eyes up and look around. There's brokenness right around the corner. Uh, there's somebody walking the street who might need uh, a conversation right now. In fact, everybody in North America needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So yeah. we need to lift our eyes up and look around. I think that's a great application point for us to to think on. I wonder, culturally, when you were in Africa, um, that's got to be a, a totally different thing, right? Like here, this is we live in that self self centered, phone in the face kind of world. Uh, Africa was probably a little different than that, right? Yeah, so I lived in three different countries, and they were all very different culturally as well. So I was in um, a very rural area in a town called Bundabugyo in uh, western Uganda, and then in South Sudan, um, I was in an even more rural area. <laughs> and then in Kenya, I lived outside of Nairobi, so in a pretty urban area. Um, and they all were very different, um, but all communal cultures, and so and different access to things like the internet and electricity. But when I lived in South Sudan, just your question reminded me, one of the things I really loved about the communal nature of life was um, the way that there was always room at the table. So in that community, um, people would eat all off of one large plate, almost kind of like a like a pizza pan or something, like a large round plate, and they would sort of put the main starch and the main sauce on that plate, and then everyone would use their hands and we would all share together. And if you were eating and someone walked by, you would always invite that person to the table because you ate outside. And um, I love the physicality of that. Like there's always actually room at your table and also the spiritual picture, right? At God's table, he always is inviting us to invite more people to join us in the feast and celebration. And so, yeah, I did love that communal rhythm of life that I had in East Africa. So so what were the obstacles, uh, just for our listeners to get a sense of the reality that there are obstacles here for us in North America for living this missional life. There always will be. We, we even have a spiritual opponent who is going to press against that work. Uh, but but it's not only us who have who have these troubles to overcome. This is something around the globe. So when you were in Africa, what were those obstacles that you had to overcome there? Um, I think, again, each geographical location I lived was different. When I was working in Kenya, I was working as a counselor at a school, and so um, in some ways, just the busyness of our school routine, just like here in um, North America, um, would distract me sometimes from loving people, from moving out to connect with community. Um, I would get focused on organizing my schedule, perhaps more than remembering the person in front of me. Um, In South Sudan, you know, it was a challenging place to be because it had experienced a long season of civil war. And then when I lived there, it had become an independent country for the first time, but it has now fallen back into civil war. And so one of the most challenging things, I think, for my community living there was the constant threat of displacement, um, the impact of trauma and of unstable food supplies, lack of medical care, lack of clean water. Um, And so a lot of those very physical things also, you know, were somewhat of a risk for me, but I, with an American passport, could leave. And that was always, you know, hard for me to feel like I'm alongside my 
community of faith, and yet I can also leave. And so I, I think that displacement and a lot of grief and loss created unique challenges for my community in South Sudan. And Bundabudjo in Uganda had some similar challenges, that um, long-term uh, trauma, lack of access to food, clean water, medical care, a lot of those things um, just created great risks for people living there. That's good. I it, it might feel like we've kind of moved away from that practical thought for our, for our North American, but I think that's so important uh, to recognize that just as much as we feel like there's obstacles, there's difficult things to get over here for us to live a mission-centered life. Uh, that's that's true everywhere. It's not just that the missionary goes off and it's oh, it's easy to share the gospel across the world. Uh, it's it's just as difficult out there as it is here. Uh, and so I wonder actually if you could speak uh, a voice of encouragement because I, a lot of the conversations I have. Uh, are of people who've tried uh, and they feel like they've been ostracized or they've been disappointed. They longed for their friend to come to know Jesus, but but they didn't accept the, the word. And in fact, they've kind of pushed them away now and it's discouraging. Uh, how do you get encouraged in those moments to carry on in this missional life? I mean, I think, you know, the last chapter of my book is about celebration. And I think it is really important for us as Christians to pause and um be attentive to the ways God is at work today, right? To notice and celebrate with one another the good things that God is doing. Um, ultimately, the kingdom of God goes forth by the power of God's spirit, right? God uses us in the ways he chooses to, and so celebrating uh, faithfulness is important. I also think, you know, particularly for a lot of your listeners, there sometimes is pressure, right? Like, do I have to share the gospel in the right way, or do I need to say it today? And I think there is um, a lot of peace that can come from remembering that it's not up to us to fix things today, and that you never know how God's going to use the testimony that you offer today, even if it's 10 years down the road or 20 years down the road, that ours, um, our calling is to love our neighbors, right, and to show that that love flows out of the relationship that we have with Christ. So I think one, you know, a small group, a group of friends where you make celebration a part of your rhythm of life is important to remind you that, hey, we have a king that's coming back to us, and we are preparing to celebrate and feast with him, and we can you know, reflect that in our day-to-day lives. And then also, I think, um, yeah, we, I think sometimes we just don't have enough grace for ourselves <laughs> to see the ways that God is using things, even when it doesn't go according to our plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the reminder that it's it's not just about us doing the work, because our salvation's not about works. It's it's a, it's an outflow of what we've received, right? That grace, what you talked about earlier, the understanding that the grace of God calls us to go outward, and by going outward, we, we experience it in new ways inward. Um, I think that's a great picture. Uh, so any last thoughts for our listeners, things that maybe that's that's on your heart that you want to share with us? Yeah, well, I guess I'll just say the final thing is I know we've talked a lot about how you can love your neighbor at home, <laughs> but also I would say that my like the joy of my life has been the privilege of living in East Africa to see God's kingdom in really diverse and different ways. And so I would encourage our listeners, if it's something they're interested in, to connect. I mean, my mission organization is called Surge, but there are so many great organizations where you can um, spend time in international settings. And I think as the church grows, it's a gift for us to encounter what um, the kingdom of God looks like in a different cultural experience. And so, um, Maybe you're called to stay at home, but maybe you're called to move to Uganda or South Sudan or somewhere else. And so I think just be open to it if it's something that you're interested in. Great, great. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for joining us. I, I think it's such a good reminder for us uh, to understand that we're, we're a people under the commission, uh, but we still need to enjoy uh, and pray that our 
our transformation thrives in the gospel as we go out and share it with others. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks for joining us for this episode. I'm really glad that we had the chance to talk with Bethany about living out a missional life. Her new book, A Mission-Centered Life, is available in stores now. Bethany also mentioned the missions organization that she's part of, Surge, and we'll have the link for that and her book on our episode page online. If you have a question, feedback, or a suggestion about anything that we've said, or if you'd like to dig deeper into something that you've heard, you can email me at info at or you can send us a message on social media. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join us again next week for a new episode where Daniel sits down with worship pastor and university professor Johnny Markin discussing modern worship songs. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.